He is risen. Okay, there was this little boy, and he couldn't learn math. And they tried everything, and so they got, took tutors, and they did all of these things, and he couldn't learn math. Finally, they put him in a private school. He came home the first day, went right up to his room, began doing his math homework, came down for dinner, ate. As soon as dinner was over, went right back up to his room, and he did that the whole semester. And so when his report card came out, he brought his report card in, gave it to his mother, went right up to his room again and started doing his math homework. She opened it up, and he got an A in math. And finally, she just couldn't, couldn't stand it anymore. She had to know why, what had motivated him. So she went up to his room, and she said, you know, was it the, the nuns, you know? He'd been in, he was in a cat school. Was it the nuns? No. Was it, was it the discipline? No. And he, she said, well, what made the difference? Why did you finally start learning math? He said, well, the first day when I went in and I saw that guy nailed to that plus sign, I knew they were serious about math. So that was his perspective. You know, our children lear are learning the same thing. I give my notes to our children's department the week before the message. And last week, I heard such a great report. Last week, one of our children, I think um, Hannah, where is uh, Dr. Roach and Susan? How old is Hannah? Three. Three years old. She came home and told her mother what she learned. She said, I learned that Jesus died for my sins. I knew that he died, but I didn't know that he died for my sins. And this morning they're learning what happened on Sunday morning. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 12. I want to remind you, if you were not here last week, just to bring you up to speed, we talked about what happened the last week of Jesus' life. We talked about what happened the last 24 hours. But the last day is so important in understanding the resurrection. Just to remind you, Jesus was crucified at 9 a.m. in the morning. At the same time, all Israel was slitting the throat of a lamb and allowing that lamb to bleed to death. That was the Passover lamb is what they called that. They called it the Passover lamb because it reminded them of the night that the destroyer, the death angel, passed over Egypt, and they were saved by the blood of a lamb. As a matter of fact, they put the blood on the doorpost. And I'll just, I'm just going to walk over here. You'll be able to see, because I want you to notice this. They put the blood up here in the middle of the doorpost. They put it here and here, and then the blood dripped down. And I want you to notice that one more time. They put the blood on the sides of the doorpost here and here, and then they put the blood right here in the middle and it dripped down. Do you see what that forms? A cross. They were saved by the blood of a lamb in the form of a cross. And so were we. And at the same time that this lamb was being killed, Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb, was being killed. And at 3 o'clock when Jesus died, they were eating the Passover lamb. And between 3 and 6 o'clock, because the Sabbath began at 6 o'clock, the father was taking a loaf of unleavened bread, had no impurities in it. He was taking a loaf of unleavened bread and hiding it somewhere in the house between 3 and 6 p.m. And at the same time, they were taking our loaf, our unleavened bread, our first fruits, offering Jesus Christ with no impurities and laying him in a grave. And he remained in that grave over the Sabbath. And then early Sunday morning, the children would go looking through the house to find that loaf. And they would pull that loaf out of hiding and wave it before the Lord, representing the harvest 
that was to come, and at the same time they were pulling that loaf out of hiding, our Savior, the Son of God, was coming out of the tomb as a first fruits offering representing the harvest that was to come. Is that good news? Now, what happened Sunday morning, though, when he came out of that tomb? In John chapter 12, I want you to notice, if you don't have your Bible, all the scriptures will be on the screen, so you can follow along that way also. But in John chapter 12, I want you to look at verse 27. John chapter 12, verse 27. He said, Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Now, just to show you, if you were here last week, to show you the timeline again, verse 1 says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. We talked about this last week, the last week of his life. Verse 12 and 13 is when he came into Jerusalem, and they put palm branches down and said, Hosanna to the Son of God. Verses 20 through 24, there came some Greeks at the feast, and they said, We'd like to see Jesus. And he said to them, uh, Jesus said, My hour has come. Verse 23, The hour has come that the Son of Man must be glorified. And then go back, verse 27, he said, My soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Verse 28, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven saying, I both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sakes. Now watch verse 31 carefully. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. You've got to notice that scripture. He said, Now. Now is the judgment of this world, and now the ruler of this world will be cast out. He didn't say 2,000 years from now. He didn't say, when I come again at the second coming, the ruler of this world will be cast out, and the judgment of this world will come. He didn't say that. He said, now. Right now, there's a judgment that's about to take place. Now. Do you see the word now? He says it twice in that verse. Now is the judgment of this world. Now. The ruler of this world will be cast out. That is very important to understand when the ruler was dethroned and a new ruler took over. Look at John chapter 14. Now, you may see something today that you've never seen before in Scripture. So let me give you a take on this before we read these verses. Let me just give you a little bit of a take on this. I know we use these verses a lot, but I don't think we understand what's happening. Remember, this is on Wednesday before he dies on Friday. And do you, you know who he's talking to in John 14? He's talking to his 12 disciples. You have to understand that. We're very bad, especially in, the non, in non-denominational churches, of not giving a historical and theological background to the Scripture and kind of making them read whatever we want them to read. He's talking to his disciples here. To his 12 disciples, follow me on this, all right? And remember, what is about to happen? He's about to be crucified, right? And he's been telling them all along, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. And third day, I'm going to rise. Now, listen very carefully to John 14. I don't believe this is talking about the second coming. I'll show you why. John 14, verse 1. Talking to the 12 disciples. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my father's house are many mansions, or that could be translated houses or dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Now, just for a moment today, don't think down traditional lines, all right? Just for a moment. He's talking to 12 disciples, and he says to those 12 disciples, I've got to go away, but I will come back. Where I've got to go is I've got to go to the Father because you cannot dwell with the Father. You cannot have a relationship with the Father because you're sinful. I'm the only one. I'm the mediator. I'm the advocate. I'm the only one that sin does not have dominion on. The only man who's ever been born on earth that sin does not have dominion over. I'm the only one. And I'm going to pay a price. And I'm going to offer myself not only on this earth, but in the holy of holies in heaven. That's what Hebrews tells us. He, he went into the holy of holies in heaven and offered himself once for all as a sin offering for us. And he's saying, I'm going to go to the Father, but I'll come back. I'm telling you this, all right? Follow me, guys. Now listen to me. I think he's referring to the three days. In my Father's house, there are many places to dwell. See, we kind of have a, a materialistic view of this. As a matter of fact, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't want to upset you this morning, but I, I really don't think the word mansions is translated correctly. <laughs> There's nowhere in the Bible this word is ever translated mansions again. And, you know, we have this view, you know, we even say, well, you know, you I got, may not have a big house here on earth, but you just wait till you see my mansion. Isn't that spiritual? <laughs> You know, we don't even talk about seeing Jesus. We just talk about how big our house is going to be when we get up there. I think he's saying where my father dwells, there are many places to dwell. But you can't dwell with him yet until I do something. And I'm going to leave you for a few days, but then I'll come back. Now, I'll prove to you in just a moment that I believe that's what he's talking about. Go down to verse uh, 27. Still in John 14, no, verse 25. Verse 25. Remember, he's talking to his 12 disciples. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. And my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Now, before we go on, I want you to remember two things. He talks about the Holy Spirit and peace. Do you see that? When I come back, basically he's saying, when I come back, I'm going to bring two things with me. I'm going to bring the Holy Spirit and peace. Now, watch what he says next. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, let me ask you something. Have we read that phrase before? Let not your heart be troubled. Where did we read that? Verse 1, right? Let not your heart be troubled. This is the same. He's talking about this. This is the same topic here. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Watch verse 28. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. Did we read that a moment ago? Verses 1 through 3. Are you all with me? Did we read that? I'm going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father. 
for my Father is greater than I. Verse 29 is the key. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. Did you, do you see that in your Bible? Jesus is talking to his 12 disciples. He says, I'm going away, but I'm coming back. And I'm telling you this before it comes, before it happens, that when it does come to pass, you will believe. Now, I have a question for you. Is anyone going to have a hard time believing after the second coming? No. As a matter of fact, Madeline Murray O'Hara will believe after the second coming. Guaranteed. Because the Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. No one's going to have a hard time believing after the second coming. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking to his disciples. He's saying to them, and he's, how many times, we read this last week, over and over again, he said to his disciples, I'm going away. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be delivered to the chief priests and scribes. They're going to mock me. They're going to scourge me. They're going to crucify me. They're going to bury me. But on the third day, I'll rise again. He's telling his disciples right now, listen to me, guys. I'm going away, but I will come back. When I come back, I'm going to give you two signs, peace and the Holy Spirit. You remember those two things. And then he says to him very simply, I'm telling you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you'll believe. Are, are you all following me? All right. Now go to John chapter 16. John 16, verse 16. Same conversation. John 16, verse 16. A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Do you see the words a little while? This is not 2,000 years. He's not talking about the second coming. He's talking about three days. He's talking to his 12 disciples. A little while, and you will not see me. And a little while, and you will see me again. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And, watch this, because I go to the Father. It's all the same conversation, you see? Then they said, therefore, what is this that he says a little while? We do not know what he's saying. Now, Jesus knew that they desired to ask him. By the way, that's a great verse about prayer. Now, Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, so he said, can I tell you something? If you have something in your heart, he already knows your desire. He's just waiting for you to ask. Now, Jesus knew that they desired to ask him. So he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament. He's talking about the crucifixion. But the world will rejoice. And you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is labored, has sorrow because her hour has come. Do you remember where we started, John 12? What's the very first thing he said? Now my soul is sorrowful. Why? Because my hour has come. All right? 
A woman, when she's in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. Is that good? So he's talking to his 12 disciples. Are you following me? And he says to his 12 disciples, I'm going away. Where did he say he was going? To the Father, right? I'm going to go prepare a place for you. You cannot have a relationship with the Father. But I'll go make it right where you can have a relationship with the Father. I'm going to go away. It'll just be a little while. In a little while, I'm going away. And then in a little while, I'll come back. And I'm telling you this before it happens, that when it happens, you'll believe. Now, watch it happen on Sunday morning. John chapter 20, verse 1. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran. She did all these things. The disciples came. Peter and John, they ran in. They left, you know. Verse 11, we want to pick this up now, verse 11. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white setting, watch this carefully, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. That's an incredible type right there. She looks in, she sees where Jesus was laying, the body was laying, and she sees two angels, one at the head and one at the foot, where the body of Jesus had lain. Do you remember the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament? The Ark of the Covenant was the manifest presence of God. It's where God dwelt. And you know, if you looked at the Ark of the Covenant, there was a mercy seat with an angel at the head and an angel at the foot. A mercy seat with two angels, one on each side. She looks in. Can I tell you something? Jesus is our Ark of the Covenant. Jesus is our way to the Father and into his presence. She sees these two angels. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. Now when she said this, she turned around, this is interesting, and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Now, don't read over a verse like that. That's unbelievable. Mary Magdalene had been with him for about two and a half years of his ministry. She entered his ministry very early. As a matter of fact, she traveled with him. If you read Luke 8, there were many women who traveled with the disciples. Luke 8, verse 3, they traveled with him. They prepared meals. They took care of him. They traveled with him all the time. They, she was traveling with Jesus two and a half years. She traveled with him and all the disciples. She turns around and sees Jesus and does not know it's Jesus. Uh, one theologian said, well, his body had been so marred by the scourging and the crucifixion that she didn't recognize him. I, I understand that his body was marred, but she helped prepare his body for burial. So you see, you see there's something different about his appearance right now. She turns around and sees Jesus and does not know that it's Jesus. All right, let's keep reading. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, now that's amazing, <laughs> said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. 
she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is say teacher. Watch verse 17 carefully. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. Now, do you have, that's New King James Version. Does anyone have a different version there? What does it say? What does it say? Don't touch me not. Someone else? Don't hold on to me. Do not hold on to me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Are you following me? Don't touch me. Watch this carefully. For I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, go tell my disciples that I was just talking to, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Do you see that? Mary meets him that morning. You have to understand what happened on Sunday morning. When he came out of that tomb, he sees one person. Do you realize that this is where the old hymn came from? A lot of people don't realize this. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses, reveals himself. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share, now think about this, this is amazing. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. You know what she was saying? No one else has ever talked to the risen Christ before. Mary was the first one. No one else has ever known the joy that I'm experiencing right now. Because I'm talking to the risen Christ, the risen one. She is the first one to talk to him. But this is what he said to her. Don't touch me. And then what did he say? I have not yet ascended to my father. Do you see that? I've not yet ascended. Then he said, but go tell my disciples, I am right now, present tense. I am ascending to my father. Here's the catch. And your father. <laughs> See, in John 14, he says, you can't, you can't dwell with the Father now, but I'll go make it right so you can. I'm ascending to my Father, to your Father, to my God, and to your God. Are, are you all following me now? This happens early in the morning. We read verse 1. says, early in the morning, Mary comes to the tomb. Jesus said to her, don't touch me. Don't touch me. I have not yet ascended to my Father. Does everyone see that? I have not yet ascended. You go tell the disciples I'm ascending right now. Right now, I'm ascending. I'm going to the Father. Now watch this, because you have to understand, where was he for those three days? He descended into the lower parts of the earth, right? He descended, then he comes and he stops by the earth, and then he ascends. You, you, have, to, you have to see this. Now watch this. Verse, um, I want to see if I want to go to that right now. Yeah, I think I will. All right, verse 19. Then the same day at evening... Being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Watch, peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Basically, he said, Touch me. As a matter of fact, he said to Thomas, Stretch your hand here. Touch me. That morning, he said to Mary, Don't touch me. I have not yet ascended to my father. Go tell the disciples I'm ascending to my Father. The same day at evening, where's he been all day? <laughs> With the Father. 
the same day at evening, he appears and he says, touch me. Look, look, it's me. Watch this. And he said to them, peace be unto you. Verse 21, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. Watch this. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Are y'all following me? Back in John 14, he said, I'm going away. But don't be troubled. I'm coming back. When I come back, I'm going to bring two things, peace and the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you this before it happens, that when it happens, you'll believe. He stops by. He descends into the lower parts of the earth. He leads captivity captive. He stops by the earth to talk to Mary. And by the way, when he stopped by the earth, you realize he's leading all these Old Testament saints with him. You know that? He goes, he marches into hell and says to Satan, give me the keys. Revelation 1, 17, 18 says he holds the keys to hell and death. He marched into hell and said to Satan, give me the keys. He walked over and unlocked where all those Old Testament saints were in that place of waiting. And he said, come on, boys, we're going to heaven. But I have to stop by the earth just for a few minutes because I've got to tell Mary to go tell my disciples because they are slow. You have never... I've told these guys over and over and over. So I'm going to stop by the earth and talk to Mary just for a moment. Then you know what the Old Testament saints said? They said, well, while you're talking to Mary, would you mind if we walked around the streets of Jerusalem for a while because it's been a long time since we've been there. It's true. Look at this scripture, Matthew 27, verses 51. You don't need to turn to it. It's on the screen. Verse 51, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That's when he died. Most people think they walked around when he died. But watch the scripture carefully. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. And the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And, 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 coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. You see that? Jesus is talking to Mary and Abraham's walking around saying, that was a little league ball field right there where that McDonald's is. I used to play ball right there. Look at that. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? And everybody said, that's Abraham right there. And David walking around. And Moses. And Samuel and all these Old Testament saints. They're walking around Jerusalem and Jesus is talking to Mary. And then he said, all right, boys, it's time to go. And this is where another scripture comes in. Because they got up to heaven. You have to understand, heaven is guarded. And those Old Testament saints lifted up their voice. Psalm 116 tells us, the Old Testament saints said, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, your everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. And those angelic protectors hurl back their challenge. Who is this King of glory? They said, boys, let's tell him. He is the Lord strong and mighty. He is the Lord mighty in battle. And those gates opened up, and Jesus walked into heaven and paid the price for you and I to have a relationship with the Father. And he told his disciples, I'm going away. Don't get upset about it, though, because I'll come back. When I come back, I'll bring peace in the Holy Spirit. He says to Mary in the morning, don't touch me. I have not yet ascended to my Father. Is, is this clear? I've not yet ascended, but you go tell my brethren that I'm ascending. And then the same day at evening, he appears to his disciples and says, 
touch me. It's, been, it's done. Everything that needs to be done for you to have a relationship with the Father has been done. All you have to do now is believe. It's that simple. Now, wouldn't it be great if there was a passage somewhere in Scripture that described verse by verse what happened on that Sunday when Jesus went into heaven. Wouldn't that be great? Can you imagine if I could take you to a a passage in the Bible that would describe verse by verse what happened on that Sunday morning when Jesus went into heaven? Wouldn't that be great? All right, thanks for coming. If you want to turn in your Bibles, you can turn to Daniel chapter 7. Or if you want to just watch it on the screen, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, and Andy. Never mind. Daniel 7. Verse 9. I watched until thrones were put in place. Thrones, plural. And the Ancient of Days was seated. you have any idea who that is? That's the Father. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. Now, hold on. You say, I, now, I, I think this is the, the great white throne judgment or the judgment seat. No, hold on. Where did we start? We started in John 12. Jesus said this. Now is the judgment of this world. And now the ruler of this world will be cast out, right? He didn't say 2,000. Listen, if Satan's not going to be dethroned until he comes again, we're all in trouble. I'm telling you that Jesus got dominion back 2,000 years ago, and Satan's been lying to you ever since, telling you he's got authority and he doesn't have authority. Verse 11, I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Now, some people say, oh, no, wait, wait. See, that's, that's revelation. That's talking about the beast. Hold on. This, talk, this talks about four beasts. This is just the first beast. This is, this is the beast to me that represents sin. Sin, the power and the penalty of sin was destroyed 2,000 years ago. Now watch the next verse, verse 12. As for the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. That's a good verse. That's a great verse. Because when the enemy tells you that he's got dominion, you need to tell him, no, your dominion was taken away 2,000 years ago. Your life has just been prolonged for a season and a time. But you don't have any more dominion. 
Now watch this, next verse, verse 13. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, wonder who that is, coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. That's good news. That happened 2,000 years ago. That already happened. Sunday morning, 2,000 years ago, dominion was taken from Satan, who had usurped it from Adam, and given back to Jesus Christ. Now look at this last verse, verse 21. Let me tell you, well, wait, wait, let me just tell you. Let me go through two other verses first. Satan does not want you to know this. 1 John 3.8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And look at Colossians 2.15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. This is not going to happen one day. It already happened. Jesus Christ has disarmed principalities and powers. They're shooting blanks. Now you say, well, I don't understand. Because it sure seems like they have authority. Well, they get authority. Did you know that? They have no authority, but they can get some from people who have authority. Listen to me. Saints have authority. And let me tell you where they get authority. They get authority because we yield it to them. We give it to them. When you're being tempted to sin, you're being tempted to yield dominion just like Adam and Eve were tempted to yield dominion. I'm not talking about your salvation now. I'm talking about authority in your life. Walking in freedom and walking in the kingdom of God. See, it's a whole lot more than just being tempted to sin and to fall at that besetting sin that you've fallen so many times. What, you're, what Satan is actually doing is trying to get you to yield dominion back to him in that area of your life. Daniel 7. Look at these last two verses. Verse 21. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days came in and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. That's now. That's now. It is time for us to possess the kingdom. I think that's why God wanted us to own land in South Lake. Because he wants us to possess the kingdom of God in South Lake. He wants us to take his dominion and change people's lives and stop divorces and stop hurting marriages and stop teenage suicides and stop drug abuse and stop abortions because we're going to extend his dominion as a church because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Now, this is what happened on Sunday morning. But I'm going to make it very personal to you this morning. There's a story within a story about what happened on Sunday morning. It's a great story. You see, when Jesus was saying all of these things that we read, John 12, John 14, John 16, 
when he was saying, I've got to go away, but I'm coming back. He even said at one point, you can't follow me where I'm going. A little while and I'll go, then a little while and I'll come back. Where I'm going, though, you can't follow me. One disciple. How many of you relate to this disciple? (laughs) One disciple named Peter said, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. And you know the story. You ever done it? You ever made a commitment and then fell? Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. Jesus said, before the rooster crows three times, you'll deny me three times. Before he crows twice, you'll deny me three times. Some of us don't realize Peter was in the courtyard where Jesus was being beaten. I went over this last week. While Jesus was being beaten, Peter was right there standing right in the same courtyard. And the third time when he denied Jesus and the rooster crowed, Luke tells us that Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Luke 22. He denies him, and Jesus is being beaten. Peter looks up because he remembers what Jesus said, and Jesus turns and looks at him. How bad would you feel? The Bible says Peter went out and wept bitterly. But do you remember Mary looked into the tomb, and there were those two angels sitting there? Then she turned around and talked to Jesus. Did you know that Mark tells us something that one of these angels said to to Mary that John doesn't tell us? (laughs) Jesus said to this angel, you make sure that you get this message right because it's very important. I want you to tell Mary, Mark 16, verse 7, tell Mary, but go, tell his disciples And Peter. Is this a good story within a story? (laughs) That he's going before you in Galilee. Listen, Mary, go tell his disciples. And Peter. Can you imagine Mary ran back and she told him, Listen, the angel told me to tell you that he is risen. And he made, he said, Make sure you tell Peter. See, if you've made a mistake, if you've fallen, if you made a commitment and you haven't kept it, is if Easter is the only time you go to church, i got good news for you. Jesus rose again for you. And you can just put your name in there. Go tell the disciples and Barry. Go tell the disciples and Martha. Go tell the disciples and Jim. Go tell the disciples and Cindy that he is risen. You see, no matter how far you've blown it, this is the whole message of the cross and the resurrection. The story of Easter is the story of second chances. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.